This is Mark Mullinax. Welcome back to Power for the Peaceful, a podcast and class on Taoism. Today, verse 38, argue for your limitations and they're yours. When you listen to the ground and you put your roots down, you can hear what she says if you're listening. When you listen to the ground and you put your roots down, you can hear what she says if you're listening. The sweet sound of the river as she moves over the stones. The same song that the blood in your body sings as it weaves around your bones. When you're listening, when you're listening, are you listening? To act without needing a reason, to ride the current of what is, this is the prime virtue. Zhangzi. Some wicked men are rich, some good are poor. We will not change our virtue for their store. Virtue is a thing that none can take away, but money changes owners all the day. Solon. Welcome back, all. I've noticed an uptick in the number of people this podcast reaches lately. So greetings to our newer class members. If newer members, or any of you for that matter, would like ever to claim a future verse, that is, verse 39 or higher, then join me, like others have in the past, for a podcast episode. Please get in touch with me at mmullinax at mhu.edu. And we'll set aside a short hour and have a blast together doing Taoism. Today's reader is Ethan Colon, who describes himself this way. Hello, my name is Ethan Colon. I am a philosophy student at UNC Asheville. Usually when I say that, people ask me what kind of philosophy I'm interested in. So I like feminist theory, ethics, uh, critical theory, um, all the things that come under that general umbrella, aesthetics and world philosophy. Um, and I was first introduced to Taoist thought by Mark's um, translation and commentary on the Tao Te Ching. Stay tuned for his question later on, perhaps the most decisive question I've ever encountered in my study of Tao. So, Ethan, let's start with your reading of our rather long verse for this episode. Verse 38, Character and its Pretensions Highest virtue is alive only when unselfconscious. It is dead when it becomes expedient and profitable, a reward or merely a means to an end. Superior virtue is alive when it seems inactive. It works in the background, leaving nothing undone. It is dead in mindless activity that leaves behind a slapdash job. Superior virtue is alive when it has no motive. It is dead when infected with ulterior designs and schemes. Superior compassion expects no results, while common righteousness acts only with results in mind. Most people act with motives of fame or power. Moreover, if they do not get these, they often redouble their efforts, getting downright forceful with it. When Tao is lost, people settle for mere uprightness. When uprightness wears thin, people settle for shallow kindness. When kindness dries up, people cry out, justice. No justice? 
People look for respectability as a stand-in, but it is just a husk. While fortune-telling or future forecasting may be all the rage, they are hollow substitutes, leading to confusion and witlessness. Therefore, the person grounded in the depths does not drink from opinions. He stays centered at the root and lets the unrooted take care of itself. He avoids the outer to live in the inner root. Long verse this time. It was as difficult to translate it as it is to interpret it now. It's a verse full of paradox and contrast where attributes and energies are most alive when one is unconscious of them and where activity, especially activity motivated by one's personal desires, is dead. Part of the difficulty of this verse comes in the first third, where Chinese nouns are used as verbs. That is, nouns are verbified. What does that mean? Well, one modern English example of a verbified noun is the noun bookmark, as in the following sentence. Before she shut her computer down, Laura bookmarked her websites that she would need later on. Or how about the word podium? As in, he had a magnificent comeback in the last 200 meters, but it was not enough to podium. Now, there was a time recently when bookmark and podium were not used as verbs, and there may be a time before long when these two examples may become trite and dead. So, with a lot of verbified nouns in a row here in this verse in Chinese, nearly any translation may seem clumsy. Indeed, some translations perhaps will not age or wear well as decades and centuries pass. The interpretation saga goes on and on in this verse, even to its final words. That future forecasting part, that's part of an ongoing anti-Confucian agenda. And since Confucianism also used the word Tao, though in different ways, I wonder if the ideas of Tao earlier in this verse might have some Confucian paint on them. That is, the word Tao in this verse may have had some anti-Confucian undercurrents or even insults contained within them. My point, translating and then interpreting verse 38 is awkward. And there's not much agreement about certain points or emphases on this verse. We have no idea sometimes about the various influences upon word choices in this 2,500-year-old text. And through the centuries, it has been ever easy to confuse highest Tao with lesser ideas of Tao that emerge later on. Just like benevolence can be watered down to gifts and donations, leaving the higher values of social justice behind, or how love can be confused with want or yearning, even nostalgia, so too the concept of Tao here may have attracted other connotations and intentions than the original text of Tao Te Ching has. But at its heart, Tao is nonverbal. Tao is a matter of experience rather than definition. To name or to attach an attribute to Tao is to begin to lose curiosity in Tao and to lessen its impact. Tao can become just another word in some word salad. So the imagery used to describe Tao throughout the Tao Te Ching carries the senses of emptiness and fullness, of radical darkness, liquidity, fluid change. Tao is wholly mysterious. So let us be suspicious of translators, even me, who say their interpretation is the final word. When you're listening, 
when you're listening. Are you listening? When you're listening, when you're listening, are you listening? Now, a major textual shift does happen here. With today's verse 38, we begin a focus on de, as in Dao de Ching. Verses 1 through 37 focus mostly on Dao. However, verses 38 to the final verse 81 focus more on De, or virtue with a capital V, as I like to put it. Some translators have speculated, unwisely in my view, that Dao is primary and De is secondary. They forget that Dao Te Ching translates out of English as the book, Ching, of the way, Dao, of virtue, De, or the book, of the way of virtue. Virtue can have other secondary meanings, such as power, influence, or even effectiveness in action. However, I don't see how one can separate Tao and De. Tao is about the way the universe operates. And De happens when Tao gets known and practiced without compromise. While they're not the same, they are twins, fruits of the same conceptual womb. One ancient Tao Te Ching manuscript called the Ma Wang Dui text, discovered in 1973 in a Chinese tomb sealed in 168 BCE, had the two sections reversed. That is, the first section of that manuscript began with this verse 38 and ran to verse 81. And then the second section began with verse 1 and verse 37 concludes it. So that Ma Wang Dui version ends by repeating Tao's greatness, Dea's indispensability, along with a swipe against Confucians, and then a caution to stay centered and rooted. Were the Christian scriptures to have a somewhat similar inversion, which they don't, it might be that the New Testament began with Revelation, or the letters of Paul, and ended with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's Gospels. What continues to shine in verse 38, however, is Tao's ways in the world, ways manifested by De. While Tao is ineffable, hidden, dark, silent, and the original hidden blueprints or instructions for the universe, it is De, or virtue's power, that makes Tao known at all. All Lao Tzu does, from verses 38 to 81, is just provide more numerous emphases on De, or what I call capital V virtue. Although both Tao and De are never to be considered as separated, De will come more into our focus from now on. We shall see how De and Tao are ever and always joined in their missions. They are inseparable. Indeed, verse 51 shows how the two are work together so well that we're showing their pairing in Lao Tzu's mind right now. So here's Ethan with that verse 51. While the way, or Tao, mothers all life forms, virtue, or De, stewards them, gives them their respective forms, and coordinates with their environment to bring them to wholeness. Therefore, all things honor Tao and treasure virtue. Honoring Tao and treasuring virtue are spontaneous responses, not duties. To repeat, Tao is every life form's parent, and virtue nourishes all, bringing them up, educating, sheltering, supporting, guarding, and enabling all to flourish. Virtue never tires of nourishing. 
Tao sets the conditions where all this happens but never meddles by owning, expecting gratitude, or colonizing dependency. It just promotes without a show. This is the profound expression of virtue. One way I like to understand the interrelating of Tao and Te comes from the legal world. That is, consider Tao as the last will and testament, or the contract with the universe. The ancient blueprints or instructions for the universe and all its processes, including your life. De, or virtue, is the executor of all these instructions or processes. Basically, te turns the potential of Tao into deeds. De is the conductor of Tao's orchestra, turning Tao's music into reality. On our human level, te, or virtue, is our response to Tao. One way to think about this is that virtue, te, is Tao made visible, or Tao at work. Eight times the character for te shows up in the first 27 characters of this verse, and te's applications are many. The first few lines re-emphasize Tao's usually misunderstood powers, hiddenness, the quiet power of Wu Wei, non-competition, and non-egotistical motives. In the middle part of this verse, the text shows how, when these hidden powers are neglected, people begin to settle for second best, which we have seen is very, very bad already. If you get a group of people settling for second best, like a sports team settling for second or third, you'll only get chaos. The last section is a concluding commentary to link the first and middle parts of this long 129-word verse. Basically, trust your original rooting. Do not settle for less. Tao will outlast any flavor of the month scheme. We have seen this message before. When the highest qualities are lost or forgotten, people go after weak substitutes. Signaled or fake virtue masquerades as real virtue in any society. In perhaps this ancient text's most withering slight against Confucianism, Lao Tzu actually calls out the cardinal virtue of Confucianism, that is, humanity, or Ren. He mocks this Confucian Ren, or humanity, as the false, watered-down stand-in for Taoism's highest virtue, a fakery that emerges only because De is lost and forgotten. Make no mistake, Confucian humanity is no match for Taoist virtue. Why? The highest Tao for Confucians was the correct ordering of human society into an artificial pyramid on which humanity occupied the highest point. But the highest in human society were the ruling classes, the upper classes, which largely excluded women and children. So the Tao in Confucianism was not the original instructions from the first moments of the universe, but merely a watered-down justification for the culture of the rich, the governing, and where men were respected most. There's one more anti-Confucian swipe here. Near the verse's end, the verse speaks about the fortune-telling or future forecasting. To some of you, this may suggest the I Ching's augury methods, but it's much more likely that Lao Tzu targeted these false fortune-telling gambits popular in the Confucian culture of the day. So this verse focuses upon the role of Te, or what I translate as virtue. Again, most modern translators translate Te as virtue, character, or power of the moral sort. And we can see this. 
for in its Chinese etymology, Te's top right sector means straight or flawless, which rests atop the heart-mind Chinese character. The root or radical in Te's character, which is on that character's left-hand side, means to walk forward. So Te suggests proceeding with a flawless heart-mind. It promises flawless action when we proceed from our true psychic center. When integrated with Tao, Te turns Tao's blueprints into deeds and wombs into fulfillment. Te is the excellent performance of Tao. And where Tao is, there is also Te. How could one ever separate the two? Or why? When you listen, when you listen, are you listening? When you listen, when you listen, are you listening? So much of this verse is a parade past our reading eyes of some lesser virtues that pose as or become substituted for capital V virtue. That is, when forgetting Tao, one settles for lesser qualities of life. We've seen this before way back in verse 17, how a cascading set of lesser or less solid virtues begin to come into play only when we forget or water down the chief value or Tao. Verse 17 actually chronicles what can happen when capital V virtue gets accompanied by human wants and desires. A whole spectrum of lesser virtues then ensue, which the verse names as the second, third, and fourth best. So the message here? Do not let the artificial obliterate the natural. Do not let will obliterate destiny. Do not let virtue be sacrificed to fame. Fame destroys virtue and easily becomes an evil weapon, only something to beat people down with, not anything that can bring true success. Jongsa. When people lose sight of how to live, they create lesser codes of virtue that give rise to great hypocrisy. The whole of Lao Tzu's teaching is simple. He wants to enable people to recognize that what they mistake for conditions of health are really the conditions of disease that their so-called watered-down virtues, humanity, morality, etiquette, even sexual purity, are really vices, that what they prize is really worthless. Lesser virtue is like a counterfeit piece of money. So earlier, Lao Tzu demonstrates how Confucians, who used the word Tao, were not practicing Tao as Taoists understand Tao. And so Lao Tzu, in his very famous anti-Confucian verse 18, said that while Confucianists and Taoists both preached Tao. The Confucians held to a watered-down understanding of Tao from the get-go, and so they would never, ever understand Tao's full power. Settling for second best, they unleashed a whole industrial lying complex of what humanity is, and what humans are made of, and what humans are made for. And since the quality of our attention forms the quality of our lives, our greatest pretense is that we are made for second best. Virtue is its own reward. Cicero To fight and conquer in all your battles is not supreme excellence. Supreme excellence consists in breaking the enemy's resistance without fighting. Sun Tzu, the art of war. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. 
Will Durant's Summary of Aristotle's Thought. So my position on virtue's presence in verse 38 is that virtue is ever the capital V kind, not the cheaper versions of virtue that we may signal others in our daily lives and discourse, or some lowercase virtue to showcase to others that we are trustworthy, that we can play nice, and we're friendly. There's a big difference between signaling a showcase virtue, or as I translate it, mere uprightness, and practicing the highest day as a natural companion to Tao. As our verse today says, When Tao is lost, people settle for mere uprightness. When uprightness wears thin, people settle for shallow kindness. When kindness dries up, people cry out, Justice! No justice? People look for respectability as a stand-in, but it is just a husk. Finally, for you who are interested in the Chinese text, verse 38 always has two adjectives to modify de. The adjectives for superior and inferior. Superior virtue has no bandwidth for second best, nor substituting anything else for te. But when we read about inferior virtue, I believe Lao Tzu intends the sort of lowercase virtue that we would ordinarily describe as the ulterior motives that we may harbor which we make then into actions or efforts to signal our everyday morality and kindness and purity. But his uppercase virtue is de itself. This de requires no efforts, no signaling, no advertising, for it is quietly rooted in Tao itself. So in conclusion, the message here is no compromise. When it comes to Tao and his companion virtue, We bring our best to Tao, first of all, because Tao has already given us our best possible life. Anything less is a settling. And in that settling, our ceiling for what is life and authentic engagement with life gets lowered. There is no ceiling in Tao, no limits, no constraints. Argue for and then practice a life of settling for limits. And soon enough, you become one tangled web of compromised values insights, vistas. As Richard Bach and Jonathan Livingston Siegel admonishes, Argue for your limitations, and sure enough, they're yours. Does your spirituality allow settling? And now, Ethan has our question. So, if we must seek alignment with nature, then that implies that there exists a not-nature which we must veer away from. What is this non-nature? And in that case, I'm confused about what this nature is in the first case. It seems that nature is being used to reference things that exclude human construction, human politics, and the human ego. Um, Confucianism seems to be very concerned with the creation of a society, a goal that Taoism seems to reject, along with the ultimate value of human-made things like justice and kindness and compassion. So I think the heart of my question lies here. Why does the natural way or the Tao have no place for humanity or the human ego? I'm struggling to see how the ego is thrust outside of this nature. Why doesn't Tao encompass the ego and have a place for it in nature? Thank you, Ethan. I'll do this question in stages, and then you let me know if I misheard you. First of all, I'd like to make one thing clear. We are born already aligned with nature. We seek alignment only when we have forgotten we are already empowered by it, already aligned with Tao. 
And in that forgetting, we experience the pain of separation from Tao. And it is good to veer away from substitute powers as we remember in our pain of separation what we are made of and what we're made for. All the power and virtue of Te and Tao are already our birthright. The clear signal of Taoism is so countercultural to today's spiritualities and mindsets. We start off with our deficits, as if our lacking and deficits are the first, middle, and last words about who we are. Our nature is the same as, and as ancient as, the universe's every particle, every life, every being, every process. There's nothing higher or nothing better, nothing lower. This is why Lao Tzu counsels us in today's verse and in verse 17 to be wary of watered down, settling for second best Tao of the Confucians or anyone else who would offer cheap and flashy substitutes. So again, argue for your limitations and they're yours. Your question, Ethan, also asks, what is not nature? That's the settling for lesser. In this case, to settle for human beings as the end-all and the be-all of every measure of greatness, harmony, and peace. To say or to act as if the human is the best and perhaps the only place in the universe where highest Tao happens or shows up is to miss Tao's greatness altogether in other beings, other peoples, animals, plants, and the processes of evolution and even in the wondrous ecologies throughout our world. Tao is our best set of directions for living amongst all other beings and processes that are also full of Tao. It's not just humans. Lesser Tao is to forget that there are these others and instead act as though we are the best representatives of Tao. Ha! This is called speciesism, an arrogance that comes from forgetting who we really are. So not nature, I think, is a dead end, a place we get to by relying upon ego and watered down virtue, virtues that most of the time we may want to signal or project to demonstrate that we are kind and safe and trustworthy. Now, while being safe and kind and trustworthy are admirable, these traits are not our nature. They are the fruits of our nature, not the roots of our nature. Confucianism had a high-minded goal, which it created, but it came with a lot of collateral damage. Confucians wanted in the Warring States period a stable, firm, rock-steady society, where the uncertainties and decay of the Warring States society were prevented. And they got that. They introduced the five cardinal virtues where every person, not every being, mind you, every person had a station in life to which they were born and could not change. And if they fulfilled these expectations of their station, society would run smoother with less violence and upheaval. And they were right. Confucianism has produced the most stable societies in history, but at the cost of not including their less educated, their women, their children, and other less than desirables at the tip-top ruling class of society. And as Karl Marx has cautioned, the ideas of every age are always the ideas of its ruling class, which means a lot of ideas and lives are never ever heard, much less valued as equals to the ruling class's way or Tao of doing things.
So Ethan, to your question's heart, does Tao have a place for humanity or human ego? Yes, it does to humanity, but no to human ego. If our Tao worldview has no space or place, no equal place for swamp grass, roaches, and things we humans project as worthless or as less worthwhile, then we shall settle for second best. What a human culture calls human best, maybe not what Tao is considering best. Our human societies still favor the rich over the poor, the educated over the uneducated, the lighter human skin over our dark-skinned neighbors, us over them. Ego happens whenever we settle for second best. Second best is the byproduct of having ego, and this inevitably leads to conflicts both hidden and open. Meanwhile, in our wars and in our preparations for wars, we forget our place as equals in the other-than-human world and make policies and rules and tax codes and other laws that project the perceived human needs of the ruling class as superior to all needs. A P.S. Tao can, I believe, take an egotistical person, society, or worldview and demonstrate it over time to be a falsehood. That is, if we engage in our foolishness long enough, we will either die or become wise. This becoming wise is what Tao enables even in the most egotistical person. The person who engages in foolishness will develop a karma trail so painful that they may, one hopes, hit rock bottom and then become wise. William Blake said it best, the fool who persists in his folly will become wise. And this is the very truth of any 12-step program. I once forgot who I was, and I engaged in all kinds of secondary ventures and lost friends and families and jobs and respect. But when I remembered who I am, it's like the prodigal son remembering his birthright among the pigs of Palestine, and he got home safely. So ego does have its place, but ego ventures may kill us before we hit rock bottom. In the Tao ecology, ego's place is to leave so painful a karmic trail hurting others, hurting ourselves, that we hopefully, not certainly, but hopefully become wise before we die stupid. All right, Ethan, that's my reflection. Did I get anywhere close to your question? Yeah, I think so. I think that was a really interesting answer, and I appreciate how you dealt with um, human exceptionalism that... Um, I think is present in a lot of um, systems of thought, um, obviously in, well, I wouldn't say obviously, but I, I, I can see now how Confucianism would have that sort of um, tendencies, especially with its, um, its emphases on strict hierarchies and rituals where like you can start to view humans at the top of any sort of hierarchy. Um, and so I appreciated how you dealt with that and also that speciesism that is also there. Um, and I like how you dealt with um, vertically, like you criticized vertical hierarchy systems. Um, and I think Taoism offers a very interesting perspective on um, not necessarily. I'm not, I don't know, not necessarily horizontal hierarchy structures instead of 
vertical hierarchies, but offering a different perspective on hierarchies and kind of saying that you don't really need these vertical hierarchy structures and that they are inherently harmful. Um, and so I appreciated what you had to say about that. I think that got, yeah, I think you answered my question very well. Yeah. I just don't think that hierarchies and Tao coexist very well with each other. Because when you have a hierarchy, you have people who are privileged and that they get so accustomed to their privilege that they forget anybody else. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I remember growing up in the American South where one, uh, one group of people, whites, had no intercourse, no conversations with, no worship with, nothing to do with blacks. Yeah. And so we thought that we were the only conversation worth having. Mm. And so when you get somebody in a hierarchy, they get so high above the rest of the other people that they cannot hear anymore the cries, the, the, the complaints, the, the moans of people upon whose necks they trample. Yeah. So I think that Dow has a radical social justice agenda uh, by saying no hierarchies. Hmm. When you start having hierarchies, you have to start defending them with wars, and you have to start making laws which lead to more laws and then which lead to more laws. And it's just a, a never-ending process that doesn't stop until you get an interrupting Taoist moment and say, whoa, where is this taking us? It's not taking us anywhere. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I've heard similar, going back to what you were saying about social justice, I've heard similar arguments in terms of the systems, like identity uh, systems that we have, such as race and gender, that I've heard, you know, I've heard arguments that they are inherently hierarchical in a vertical sense, how we have constructed them. And so going forward, we need to reconstruct how we treat people based on categories like race and gender so that the inherent um, hierarchy and the inherent privilege and the inherent oppression can be reconfigured into something more healthy, um, I guess, closer to the Tao in yeah. this sort of context. Yeah, I think I've told this story in the podcast, but I'll repeat it here. In 1987, I was a first-year student in a Ph.D. program at Union Theological Seminary, and I had a world-famous, world-class professor, uh, the godfather of African-American liberation theology. Oh, wow. His name was uh, James H. Cohn. And one day he called me up after class and said, Mark, you can forget about being a Christian. You will never, ever get Jesus. And yeah. I was taken aback. I said, uh, uh, why? And he said, your privilege will always mm. keep you above the listening level that the underclasses around the world require. You will never hear them. So forget about Jesus. Forget about being a Christian. You will never hear the gospel of Jesus because you are so white, so privileged, and you will always be that way. So forget about Jesus. Forget about being a Christian. Yeah. 
That's powerful. Yeah, it's a conversation I think about every day. Is he right or is he wrong? And just having that conversation of rightness and wrongness go back in my head every day, I think has been the conversation of my life. Hmm. And it now comes out in Tao. Anything else? I don't think so. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Uh, Thank you so much. This has been absolutely wonderful. This podcast is an original labor of love designed, written, and co-produced by many whose central idea is that Tao Te Ching is good news for today. Tao still speaks. Thanks to Ethan Cullen for his readings and his amazing question. Audrey Davis is our artist. Thank you. Molly Hartwell sings her song, Put Your Roots Down. Fortress Press holds the copyright for any quotations from my Tao Te Ching translation. Thank you all for your attendance in this class on Taoism. May your days begin in peace and become the uncompromised supply for your radical hope. Are you listening?